0: Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows, and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts
1: ordinary people's extraordinary stories.
0: Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a ta- chat with Deborah. Deborah, if you could tell me when and where you were born. Not necessarily when you were born, but where well, you were not born. I'm telling you
1: when. Yes. Because
0: <laughs> you're a lady. <laughs> and if you can describe what it was like. Describe what it was like where you grew up. Uh, the yes. sort of schools you went to and the education that you received. Right. So you're in the classroom.
1: Okay. So I'll start when I was born. Um, I was born in a, a mining town slash city about four hours north of Toronto, which is the capital of Ontario in Canada. And so that's
0: kind of way up north. way is, up north?
1: No, it's way. not. If you look at Ontario, no, no it's nothing. Not even a blip. Ontario's gigantic Ontario is four a hours. Two day that, ride. Is it? <laughs> yeah. It's a two day drive. get out of the province a full two days yes so no it's just a little blip I was born in the one of the years that the Toronto Maple Leafs won a Stanley Cup I'll tell you that much my dad was born and raised in Toronto his parents were one was born in Wales one was born in in London England
0: Ah, and so you're just, part Cockney then.
1: I am indeed.
0: Got and got some taff in there as well.
1: Well, my great-grandparents owned a pub in London that is still standing, and I can't remember the name of it.
0: The Dog and Duck.
1: <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was... And well, back when I was born, the the fathers didn't go into the hospital with the mothers. The mothers went alone. And so that's what my mother did. And when I was born, I was the firstborn, my dad showed up with bouquet of flowers and one of those little cards that you stick in a bouquet of flowers, just the tiny little cards. Mm -hmm. And on it...
0: And a big cigar?
1: He did not bring a cigar but on the card he wrote nice work love Don. That was it. (laughs) And so I have that tattooed on my arm.
0: Oh, wicked.
1: And that's his handwriting. Yeah. So... I was raised in that mining town for about seven years, started school when I was five, and I remember my first day of um, my first day of school because it was that oh. traumatic. I remember my father dropping me off and I was so traumatized that I sat behind the piano for the first three weeks of school. It was really high. <laughs> And I didn't speak. So we started school here in Ontario, we start school in September. So I started in September, the year I turned five, and I did not speak until February of that following year. And when I spoke, I said that I had a baby brother on Saturday night. And the teacher was so shocked that I spoke that she didn't admonish me for not putting my hand up, <laughs> and so that was. I had a sister as well who was born before that. And so, then, so uh, what,
0: what was so traumatic about the first day at school? I didn't want
1: to go. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave my mother. I think I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave home. I was very, oh, right. very. I was very shy, and it was only it was only half a day, and we took a nap during. The time that we were in school, so it wasn't you know it wasn't like it was a rigorous academic schedule that we had.
0: Didn't have the cane or anything like that to, to put you off for.
1: Nope, didn't and no big kids picking on no, you. Nope, didn't know of any of that. My last name, you can um, you can see it there. It's Covell, so it's C-O-V-E-L-L. So I, starting with the letter C, we had to line up in alphabetical order. And I stood behind Jeff Bushy because his name obviously started with a B. And I remember when I was six years old and standing in line and standing there staring at the back of his neck and he had a crew cut because this was the 1960s. If you haven't Googled when the Toronto Maple Leafs won their Stanley Cups last. And, I couldn't help myself. I just reached out and planted this little kiss on the back of his neck. He just thought it was, you know, some sort of fly, mosquito perhaps, and just waved his hand like this. And we never spoke of it again. (laughs) And then I moved to a town just about an hour north of Toronto when I was seven. Um, I didn't go by myself my my entire family moved I didn't hit the road yeah. and didn't I um, tell you
0: <laughs> they were moving
1: <laughs> they yeah wait where are you going and um, so I started at a, an elementary school and here in Canada they go from um, Age five to age 13 is elementary school. And so I went to this this school from age seven to to age 13. Um, And I remember when I was younger, the boys seemed a little bit academically behind us, the girls, you know. And, you know, you wouldn't want a boy in your group when you were working on a project, because they didn't you know, have the, they didn't well, they didn't have the focus, and nor should they. So here's my opinion. I think that for the first few years of school, boys and girls should be educated separately because we have different needs, different wants, different behaviors, and I feel I, I honestly felt bad for those little boys um, who. You know, were forced into being confined in their chairs, which was completely against what their nature was. Their nature was they wanted to run around. The girls were fine. We would sit there and we would be sitting there happily in school. And I don't think they were happy. That's just Mm. my opinion.
0: That's boys for you.
1: Well that is boys for you right and so oh, yeah.
0: well you could have ended up in an all-girls school
1: yeah yeah and, but
0: and but i that think like? that
1: but i think that so my personal opinion is that we should be separated for at least at least until we're 10 years old only because most teachers being female at least they are here and when i say most i don't know maybe it's 60 70% and i don't think that i don't think that the boys behavior is empath empathized with enough
0: mm.
1: and i think that there's so much time and effort and energy spent on trying to corral them and force them to behave in a way that is like the girls, but is not in their nature. And I don't think that's good for them. I just don't. Mm. So that was, you know, and i so I, And I remember that. And I remember thinking, you know, all boys are stupid and then they're not, they weren't it, that's, they just weren't as they were, just didn't have the focus. And then,
0: mm.
1: you know, when they were a bit older, just something clicked. And then all of a sudden, you Put know, Oh,
0: catch up, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. So during that time, then, what was your um, what was your favourite class? History.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. So what
0: about history? What, because I guess history in Canada is slightly different to to doing history in England.
1: <laughs> we we. Yeah. It only takes about an hour and a half to cover the curriculum. No. Um, (laughs) So, so in Canada, when you take history, because, you know, we were a colony, as you know, uh, we do, a lot of our history does come from, from Great Britain. And so does come from England, right? Because, so we study Canada and how Canada was formed and various things, and then we also we also studied England and and um, European history mm. as well.
0: Of course, you're part of the Commonwealth. That's right. Being That's very right. lucky people that you are. Yes. Having the Queen as head of state. Is there any talk about going uh, a republic yet?
1: You know, most people that, that I know don't really have an opinion about it. It doesn't really impact us mm. to a great extent. Um, there are but there are probably a lot of people that would have an opinion on it, but I don't happen to have an opinion on it. Um, we also did a little bit of American history, which is very colorful, as you know. And you
0: managed nice them buggers out, didn't you? We what? You kept them out. You didn't didn't get you didn't get soaked up by them when they when I took over the yukon and uh, and alaska
1: <laughs> no we kept them at bay we continue to do so mm. um but you know what was most interesting we did a really deep dive study into the history of the olympics and you know, where it started in Greece and the whole. And so that was really fascinating. Hmm. That was a lot of fun to learn.
0: So did you, did you cover the, the ancient games and then bring it forward to the modern games?
1: Exactly.
0: And and look at everywhere that they've had it, that, that how the games have evolved. Was it just the the Summer Olympics, or did you look at the uh, Winter Olympics as well? Or?
1: We looked at both, and what was what was a lot of fun, I mean, it was a lot of fun learning about, you know, how they started in ancient times. And then with the more modern, we would learn stories of the athletes and, you, you know, the stories that we all know now about, um, you know, those moments that are, that have so much drama and um and evoke so much emotion, you know, when we're watching them now. So we would learn about those stories, you know, all through the all through history. Mm. So that was really, really fun.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess one that, that kind of stands out quite a bit is the nineteen thirty-six Olympics in Berlin. Right. Um where Jesse Owens showed a was it Jesse Owens yeah it was wasn't it um they run rings around the old Germans and they weren't happy
1: about that <laughs> no <laughs> No, they weren't yeah so that was yeah that was really that that was that was an interesting um sort of taste of of history that Hmm. That I thought was really, that really stood out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: What was your worst subject then? Which one didn't you like doing? Which one did you try and um, call in sick for? Which one was you going to opt the wag?
1: That's a tough question. I loved math until probably great, probably till I was about. Um, Algebra, geometry.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't mind. I didn't mind those, but I, I, I loved math until I was about seventeen, and then it got, it just, it just seemed so pointless. <laughs> I didn't see the relevance.
0: Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, yeah. relevant until you got to start working out how much you can afford to do this, that, and the other
1: that's and then,
0: right then it becomes it then then mass becomes important when it comes down to money
1: yeah <laughs> and i knew that that's right and i knew that it wasn't something that i was going to you know that wasn't going to be a higher education or a career that i would pursue mm-hmm. so you know if it, and at that age you know things become more relevant that um you know, you, you sort of start thinking about what you are going to use and what you're going to need for continuing education and career and so on. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So let's, let's, let's move forward to then high school.
1: So then high school, high school is five years. It was five years when I went. It um, It was reduced to four years sometime later. I think they're talking about putting it back to five years. Um, and we, so then, so after high school, that's when we, we do to college or university, that kind of thing. Mm. So back then we went to high school from age 14 to age 19. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. And, um, I went to a high school that was really, really large. A lot of the kids were bused in from mm. the surrounding areas, um, and the,
0: did, did the, you jump on the bus?
1: No, I walked or rode my bike. But the school was built in the late 1960s or early 70s, and so the architecture at that time was not was not appealing. In that it is a brown brick box with very few windows, so each classroom had one window, and it was about each window was about twenty-four inches wide and about five feet tall. One window in the cl- in each classroom. That's it. Sorry. It was all concrete block walls. It's like prison. Oh.
0: Artificial light.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's really conducive, conducive to good education. Isn't standards. it? Yes. Yeah. That's
1: what well, I, I
0: suppose thinking. it stopped you gazing out the window daydreaming.
1: Is that what they were trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what they were
0: doing to us? Yeah, I, can, I can see where the architect got that idea from. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but,
1: but well, we, it's interesting, right? we stop on
0: looking out the window daydreaming? Oh, we won't have a window. <laughs>
1: that's right.
0: Yeah, it works.
1: And it did work. There was no one daydreaming. There was nowhere (laughs) to look. But it is interesting because architecture has come back around, and when they build a new school, it's, of course, you know, windows across the entire classroom, as it was before the 1970s. So, unfortunately, that's the high school that I attended. So, it was not – it wasn't a light-filled, wonderful place, you know?
0: Mm. Yes. So, I suppose – you you couldn't really daydream and look out the window so you had to knuckle down and learn stuff was it
1: that's right we had to do that yes
0: so what sort of subjects were you doing at that time
1: we of course in canada we well in ontario we um french is mandatory so we start french in um in elementary school sort of later on when we're about 10 years old or so, and maybe 11 years old, and then it's mandatory, I think, or it was for maybe another couple of years in high school, and then it becomes optional after that. Hmm. So, because it's our second language, we take that. So, how did
0: you get on with it? Are you fluent French? No, no, france, mademoiselle. (laughs) <laughs> Jumapel Tim,
1: what a great accent you have! My
0: <laughs> we well, I, I used to do a little, I, I used to do a bit of driving, and uh, um, I was driving from from Norway down to Paris most of the time. Oh on, wow! A line, on a line truck, right? So we used to get one and a half. You've you got to write two trips a week from Oslo to Paris which is no mean feat, and it? You know, when you're using your swindle sheet most of the time, uh, breaking every rule that you could probably break. <laughs> um, but, but we used to load up in a, in this factory just outside of um, Le Mans, uh, which is just south of Paris. And, uh, and I'd drive in the yard, pull up, and uh, the yard foreman had <laughs> come out of his office and, and he'd, he'd look at me and look of shock and horror on his face as I shouted across the yard bonjour monsieur se vaut sur j pour moi pour novice c'est vous play he's coming he's got his hands on, he's put his hands on please 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 don't speak French I speak English
1: you're butchering it
0: yeah work for me every single time <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I did try Yes, I understand. I have tried as well. Yeah. Yeah, so no, so, I'm not I, I'm not by any means bilingual. That's right. at all. But we have so, an option here in Canada where you can you can study in the English parts of Canada. You can study uh, in French. You can go into a French immersion school. And take all of your subjects in French. And so the notion is that by the end, you would be bilingual. That'd
0: be that yeah. would be tough. That would be tough. And I suppose that it, the only reason you would do something like that is because you wanted to go to the French speaking part of Canada in Quebec, I suppose.
1: Yes. Um it it I mean it gives you an advantage right to speak another language. And and little kids, I mean if they start school at 4 years old now and they start speaking French, you know they've got more of a facility to pick up multiple languages. Yeah,
0: they're little sponges, aren't they? Right? So and then, Yes. And they pick up languages ever so quick.
1: That's right. And so mm. our capital city which is Ottawa, which is in Ontario is actually um, a lot of the jobs there require you to be
0: bilingual. Mm. Yes. That's but I funny, isn't that. having a, two languages in, in, in yeah. one country. Yeah. I mean, you come to England and there's about, I don't know, 250 different languages. Yes. And that's just inside the M25. Right.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I worked in London. You can walk down the street in some areas, and you wouldn't hear English spoken anywhere.
1: That's right.
0: All foreign dialects.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and we have the same here. Toronto is a really diverse city as well. That it, we, um, it's a very multi multicultural city, and it's lovely. You know, it's um, it's just. Oops. I'll just give him a little pat on the head here. Want some attention? Um, it's 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 wonderful, yes. So it's yeah, it's wonderful, and we're really happy to be to be part of it and Mm. to, to live here. We feel quite fortunate, yes.
0: So, what was the weather like during the winter? Then
1: we um, we get cold weather, we get snow off and on. From about, uh, sometimes the snow comes in December, but we have snow usually January, f- February, March.
0: And is it like sort of 20 feet thick snow, or is it um, a light dusting where you are?
1: No, it's, it's we could have quite a few inches, and then that might, you know, there might be a thaw, and that might leave. Um, this past winter, we actually had a few feet of snow. Mm was a lot more snow than than usual
0: so you're not in a real snowy bit no no fair no. enough so you didn't have to go to school on skis then
1: i did though because so where i grew up which is an hour north of here there was a lot of snow and there was more snow back then mm. right just because of global warming there's a little bit of a i think i think an impact on the uh, on the amount of the amount of snow. So, yes, I had to walk to school
0: with snow did you, go on, did you go on skis? Did you ski to school? I did not ski to school.
1: Could have. That's a shame.
0: Yeah, could Some have Some people did. I mean, when, when, I, when, I, when I was in Oslo during the wintertime, um, we used to go out on the uh, on the outskirts and, and with this particular factory, we'd park up overnight, And uh, I looked at, there's a temperature gauge, and it was saying minus 27, as I looked out. uh, (laughs) And I see these half a dozen kids on skis going to school. (laughs) They've got their school packs on the back, and they're happily skiing off the ski. That's right.
1: Well, we do get pretty cold. And, of course, the northern parts of Canada, right, they are on the same latitude. So, yeah, they would get... Similar weather, yes.
0: Brilliant. So let's have a look at. Uh, let's move forward slightly. Let's let's look at uh, your college, university. What did you do?
1: I I dropped out.
0: No, oh, that was unfortunate.
1: Unless Why? I, <laughs> I just, so I didn't see that. Um, again, I didn't see the practical application of what I was of the program I was taking and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I joined the workforce and found my way that way. Okay. Yeah. So I so, missed out on that on that, you know, all the fun everyone had. But um
0: I don't think you did actually. I mean look at me, I didn't go to university. Well I did actually. I went to the University of Hard Knocks. That's right. The University of Life.
1: That's right. <laughs> you did.
0: So 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 you mug mug college off then and uh what was your first job? What did you get into? What job would take you without a degree?
1: I I did a so I worked in high school at a and what we called um an old age home. Now it's called a long-term care facility, right? <laughs> and
0: I've um, all woke then, old age, Joan.
1: <laughs> right. So a home it. for the aged, yes.
0: Yes.
1: So I worked there in high school in the office, and um, and then I I just got into working in office settings. You know, insurance company. I worked in a hospital, There's and a then. Um, yeah, administrative work, and then I joined a an organization here in Toronto. So I joined as a um, as a coordinator type of role within a department that that did continuing education for the membership of this profession. So I worked in the Sort of the head office for the profession it was an accounting profession hmm. and so i was eventually the manager of that department and i did a little bit of marketing a little bit of managing people and coordinating this this program of continuing education and i got really interested in the continuing education and the delivery of it. And so when I left that job, I joined an organization at a lower level of seniority because I wanted to become a facilitator of these learning programs, Mm -hmm. which I could not have done at the company I was currently with. So that's what I did. So I eventually became an adult educator
0: so going from not going from mugging off university <laughs> you you've then got into to a teaching role without going through university was it
1: right right so
0: what sort of what sort of um, level education were you delivering to adults it's
1: Workshops and seminars on, you know, how to manage people, how, uh, customer service, how to, you know, how to bring your business um, systems around human resources or managing people in general, um, leadership training programs. So how to lead people, how to supervise them, how to manage them, those kinds of skills. Mm. Yeah.
0: So did you learn those first? Did, did you go through the program initially to, to get those skills and then work your way up the greasy pole uh, until you were sort of doing it, facilitating I, it all?
1: I did. That's what I did. How
0: long did you do that for then?
1: I did it full time for probably about um, six years. And then I got married and I had twin daughters and one was born with severe disabilities. So Mm -hmm. I had to quit my full time job, which made me, you know, I mean, it was, it was really, I mean, it was awfully, it was awful time as you can imagine. Um, but I also had to quit my job because I could not, I I I have never had a full-time job since and they're 23.
0: Double double trouble.
1: Yes. And so my daughter who is disabled is severely disabled. So she requires full-time care. So Um, until she went to school, I was her full-time caregiver and, um, so I was never able to w- return to the workforce. But what I did was start my own sort of consulting business. And 23 years later, to this day, I I delivered a program this morning over Zoom. So, so I can still do it. Um, I can still facilitate learning programs part time. And um, with the pandemic, of course training programs within the business and, environment went online just as school yeah. did. So, so I teach, I still teach online.
0: Hmm. So if you don't mind talking about your daughters then, so you've got one severely disabled. Yes. How's the other one?
1: So the other one, um, so the, and they were, uh, they're identical. Um, so there was a, um, just an issue during the birth. So, uh, my daughter had her, so that oxygen, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's oxygen deprivation and and um, and that there's results in a brain injury. And so she has cerebral palsy. Um, her name is Quinn, and her twin sister, Emma, is actually in teacher's college, of all things. All so right. she is going to be an elementary school teacher.
0: So did she help out a lot once they started to grow up? Did, did, did. did how did she take to her twin sister not being able to do an awful lot?
1: She didn't she didn't um she didn't understand that there were differences between them until mm. I don't even know, maybe she was seven or eight. <laughs> sort mm. of she didn't yeah, so they're very they're very close and um and yes, she did help out. She helps out mm. more than other siblings because I now know a lot of families who have a child like mine, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a small community, and and we meet through various, you know, summer camps and things like that. And so she probably helps out more than any other sibling, partly because of who she is and her personality, and I think partly because of the twin, the twin connection yeah. too, you know, which makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they still look identical then?
1: There's a lot. There's differences now. Yes, that the, yeah, you know the um, the disability did account for some differences. They do look similar, but yeah, you okay. can certainly tell them apart. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for the last twenty-three years, then you've you've kind of been struggling along, bringing up double trouble
1: because I do
0: two girls is trouble. Double at the trouble. best of times.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I've had the double trouble. And, yeah, I just had to sort of, you know, manage my work life in between, um, you know, doctor's appointments and surgeries and, mm. and other interventions, other medical interventions. and um, And so I wrote a book about it because I thought, you know, I'm going to write a book about my... And it's kind of a, it's a memoir, but it's about sort of the ways that I've um, managed.
0: Coping strategies.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I sort of modeled myself. My first sort of role model was my dad, who had a heart attack and a stroke at age 46. And his, so that. that was ended- careless. Mm. Was that?
0: I said that was careless. Right. Should have taken care of himself.
1: 46. <laughs> 46. Seven, hmm. And so his career ended there. But I watched how he handled it and with grace and with positivity. And you know, he just continued and he lived to be 82. So he lived for a number of years. And you know, positive outlook, lots of friends, lots of laughter, yeah. lots of love, and so he really was a role model for me. You know that mm. he made a decision to get up every day and just do it right.
0: Yeah, you know, and grab light, life with both hands and give it a good throttling.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so that's so that's you know that's what I did. Um you know, lots of twists and turns and bumps in the road along the way, but mm. that's life, right? Yes. So,
0: uh, how did you kind of manage your business? How did you, so you, you had to give up work full time. You've yes. got two daughters bringing them up. When, when did you start um, your consultancy? Was Probably, that- yeah.
1: So, they were about three or four. And, The way I did it was I created this company, decided what it was going to be, you know, did some branding, got business cards, and then I just started networking. And that's how I and that's how I did it, because Mm -hmm. my target market was mainly through um, was was mainly smaller organizations And um, so, yeah, so I did it. I did it all through networking and attending events and just, you know, connecting with people and meeting, you know, people. So all of the clients that I got were through sort of um, connections that either I had or people I knew had. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so there was no, you know, in terms of marketing, that's what I did. It was
0: all through personal
1: connection, yeah, right. Yeah. I guess
0: guess so. 23 years ago, the internet was still in its kind of infancy, so that's
1: right.
0: It was handwritten letters, snail mail. Um,
1: it was exactly Pony
0: going out posting the the letters yourself. Was that? the
1: It was exactly, and you know, there there are events, there are conferences, and, um, you know, groups that get together to support each other that are, you know, small business, business-minded people, and I would attend all of those events and shake a lot of hands, and, you know, then connect with them, and get together, and have a coffee, and talk about our businesses, and and so it really was sort of working in that way, and, mm. And and which was very foreign to me because I'd always had jobs, you know, that I just, mm. here's where I go every day. And so that was really tough, actually. There are some people that are born entrepreneurs. I was not one of them. Mm. No, not by any means. So I, so I feel fortunate.
0: So how did you cost what you were doing? How, how did you work out how much to charge somebody for your services?
1: I checked out the competition.
0: <laughs> well, undercut them, but a couple of dollars.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I can do it for this amount.
0: That's yeah. right. Yes. I suppose that's one way of doing it. So, moving forward, then. So, when we got into to the lockdown. Yes. How did that impact on the way that you were doing your business?
1: Oh, I was worried.
0: Well, yes. well I mean, before that, I, I guess it was all lots of face-to-face stuff going it out. Was, so I
1: and... would I would deliver a um, either a full day or half day training program and in a classroom full of people, and that was not happening anymore. Mm. And it was interesting how quickly the industry changed and started to deliver programs online. So, but that it 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 had it had to change. The content of the programs had to change too. So, for example, for one client, I was teaching a two day workshop. So, two day is is um, you know nine to four thirty. Um, with with lunch and a couple of coffee breaks so call it six hours so call it 12 hours of content Hmm. so the way that they managed it for the online audience was they distilled that content down to six hours but you can't be online for six hours staring at a screen and taking a training program so they no. divide it into two-hour chunks. So it's a three-day program of two-hour chunks. Whereas I would have been standing from nine to four for two full yeah. hours, for two full days, sorry.
0: On permanent send.
1: Yes. So now, I i mean, it, it has its pros and cons. The advantages are that I can wear... A pair of shorts or or a pair of, you know, leggings, pajama bottoms, and then get all dressed up on top. Yeah, that's the advantage. And then the disadvantage, of course, is that it's just not the same. It's not the same no. connection to people, you know. That um, and when I when I teach people, I mean, it's usually a classroom of fifteen to nineteen people, and you know, for the most part, they're on the video because we have to be able to interact.
0: See each other, yeah.
1: But it's not the same, right? No. No.
0: And it's it's not picking up on um, people doing that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or people. I hope like not somebody, too
1: many people fall asleep.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you, know, you know you're getting it wrong if someone's doing that in the class. <laughs> That's right. So you have to be engaging, but... but
1: I do. But that two-way
0: thing, I mean, it, is it all? I guess it's all done over Zoom, is it? Or, yes. or Teams, or... Yeah. 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 So I guess you have to have the paid one to be able to get the time, because of the free one, you're on there for 40 minutes, and all of a sudden it goes, bump, That's right. Yeah, <laughs>
1: so it has to be, that's strength. right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So it has to be the paid one.
0: Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, I suppose it's got its limitations as well. Um, it does. Zoom.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, when you think about it, it's um, it they, it has some real limitations. Now, these programs always had a lot of group work, and so you know they would they would have to work on a case study or something together. Yeah. You know in their table groups. And that's how we worked it. And now, I mean, the the nice thing about zoom is that you can put them into breakout rooms. So you could have three or four people in, in these, you know, separate little breakout rooms. So that actually works. Um, But again, they don't connect with each other the way that they would have, you know, taking a two day program together and, you know, having lunch together. And, and so it's just
0: coffee and and a coffee pot. And uh yeah. or going outside yeah. so for, uh, for a scary. cigarette for the dirty, filthy smokers. Um
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> so, so So that's so what about your business now? Have you have you evolved back into being able to go back into the classroom and uh, they're
1: starting
0: to face to face?
1: They're starting I'm um I'm going to wait a little a little while longer I think um maybe the fall I would start to do face to face I do have concerns you know um because my daughter is is has special you know yeah. medical needs um so I try to be really careful but um but a lot of businesses are going back to the classroom because they just miss that interaction and yeah yeah it's,
0: a, it's been a funny old world the last couple of years and it's it's I mean, for me, uh, I, this is terrific. Right. I mean, I mean, before I was, I was dragging people in off the street almost, and and, and <laughs> forcing them in front of a microphone, right. or, or going out, and, and 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 now I can sit, I, I can, I can put the all this fancy stuff around the, the screen, and and I've got really nice equipment, and getting the the audio quality good. Getting the visual quality good as well, and uh, for me, it's, it's transformed the way I do things. And 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 I can't see me going back to sort of dragging people in, sitting in front of a microphone in, oh, in, the, why would in the studio. You? This is this is so much more fun. And I and I'm reaching out across the world. I mean, you're in Canada, and I'm in uh, good old uh, England. And uh, look at it, you, you you couldn't done this five years ago.
1: No. Nope. No, it
0: um, is amazing but, that that part of it. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and finish on on a, on a one-on-one is 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 terrific. And I also do. I mean, why I started it, I'm not quite sure, but I have an awful lot of fun. Fun on a thirsty Thursday, um, uh, and and we have special guests come in, and we 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 talk about. Uh, some some weeks we have a a special where we'll talk about something serious like um veterans veterans mental health or or we we'll, we'll, we had a boating special we've had uh, well a special a crime special I had a uh, a forensic psychologist come on um, who who talks about um, serial killers and, and
1: Fun. Um,
0: and working with them. so that was a good evening uh and then uh and, and then we we'll just get some mates into we just last week we had we had a we had a first last week um <laughs> I had a, a live outside broadcast so That's i I got, a, I, got, I got a mate that was over at Hailing island motorbike evening and and, and he did a live live stream from there and were twelve hundred motorbikes, so he had a wander around the, some of the motorbikes there. And the week before, we try, we try something new. Um, I got people to to actually phone in, so we, we got live phone calls in in the in the chat. Uh,
1: oh, that's uh, to, fun! Yesterday.
0: we just have it. So we 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 we, we we're, we're expanding every week. We're doing something new every week, and we're just having a lot of fun with it. So Wonderful. there you go. Wonderful.
1: Good for you.
0: So it's changed the way that I do business as well.
1: Right. Yes.
0: And since I've retired, I don't know how I actually had time to go to work. (laughs) I've been so, so busy.
1: That's the way it should be.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Yes. Good
0: for you. So, Deborah, where can people get hold of your book?
1: Oh, well. They could visit either Amazon or my dining room because there are copies in both places. Uh-huh. But they can order from Amazon. Wicked. Yes. So, find finding a, your hay.
0: Fine. And I'll find a link down in the description, obviously.
1: You would, yes. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So, Deborah, I've enjoyed this little chat.
1: So have I. Thanks, Tim.
0: No, you're welcome.
1: I'll meet you in person someday.
0: You never know your luck. Right. <laughs> the Tim Hill Podcasts.
1: Ordinary people's extraordinary stories.